With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to our weekly Penguins chat. Uh, Andrew Destin coming to you here with Matt Venzel, who's on the road with the team. We're recording this Monday morning ahead of uh, the Penguins game against the Arizona Coyotes in Tempe at that glorious Mullet Arena that you got to spend some time at yesterday as well as again tonight. But uh, before we get into any of that, I want to remind you, as always, this podcast is brought to you by Pella Windows and Doors of Pittsburgh. There's no better place to get new windows and doors installed in your home than Pella. We can help you save on energy costs year-round. Schedule a free in-home consultation with your local Pella windows and doors to find the right product for your home and budget. Give them a call at 866-593-1560 to discuss your project further. Again, that's 866-593-1560 to get started planning on your new windows and doors installation with Pella windows and doors of Pittsburgh. Uh, well, Matt, there's a lot to get into here. Um, I know we're going to touch on first about the game on Saturday against the Vegas Golden Knights, which drew shades of the 2022-23 campaign. But just want to ask you off the top of the uh, top here, uh, thoughts on Mullet Arena, getting to check that place out yesterday? Uh, well, I'm curious to see what it's like for an NHL game, but it's a pretty sweet college venue. Um, I mean, nice little rink there. Um, Penn's had a brief practice, only like a half hour. At this point in the season, they they were not practicing for too long. So, yeah, I'm curious to see the game and just how the fans are going to be there. I mean, what's it see? Like 5,000, 6,000, somewhere in there? So, yeah. Definitely not a sustainable home for the Coyotes, but, um, you know, could be fun for us. Yeah, it's an interesting set there with the press. You're sitting on, like, bar stool seating, I think it was last year, where you're, like, kind of ingrained right there with the, you know, just the normal fans. So it's a, it's an experience. You won't forget it. I'll say that much. Great. <laughs> why did why didn't I give you this trip? Oh, Vegas. That's why I got to spend three days in Vegas. Well, you, you got to spend the three days in Vegas. Penguins did too. Had an off day even in there. Um, I know you're up to a lot you of fun. You could argue that two off days, but <laughs> yeah. Well, let's get into that then. Talk, talk me through uh, the Vegas trip, and I guess that uh. Uh, whatever that was on Saturday night, I believe it was with the Pens basically saying, Hey, we're going to show you we can play last year's game, get a lead the first two periods and blow it in the third, right? Yeah, I mean, they actually played a pretty good first two periods against a Vegas team that was missing some key players, but you know, obviously, they're, they're still a good team, a lot of confidence. Um, yeah, and then they just completely fell apart in the third period. Um, I like how Ryan Graves described it because I mean, we tend to just kind of break down the goals. And, you know, he was basically saying, like, you know, you can't, like, he was talking about how they completely lost track of their game, and it might not show up in the goals themselves, but more so just the fact that they were completely under siege, under duress the entire period. I mean, the numbers from Sport Logic said it was, like, overwhelming in terms of 
of chances, turnover chances, zone time, things like that for Vegas. And, um, you know, a couple of goals themselves were kind of weird goals or soft goals. Like the winning goal was from shot from, you know, the Bellagio and I caught past Tristan Jari's blocker. So kind of a weird game in that regard where they were good. And then in the third period, they just, you know, they didn't have it. They ran out of gas and, and, and Vegas overtook him. You mean to tell me there was a game-winning goal over Tristan Jari's blocker? That sounds like it's becoming a problem, huh? I mean, the, it wasn't as bad. Well, I don't know. The one against Carolina was pretty bad in overtime, which is you know he played so well to get to that point and then to allow um, you know a goal that you know metrics say had a one in twenty-five chance of going in. So um, yeah, that's been a problem for him really over the last month. His blocker, yeah, certainly off not. the rush. Off the rush, it's like I don't know. He's just not finding his net, I guess. Right. It's such an interesting thing. It's like just to dovetail on that convo, brief, uh, convo briefly, like there, you mentioned the Carolina game. A lot of these moments, I feel like they're in overtime, which, you know, that heightens the importance of off the rush, just given the nature of it. But that's just something that, um, for lack of better phrasing, I guess just Tristan really hasn't looked comfortable in any scenario off the rush, really, uh, at least from my standpoint. Has that kind of been your observation, too? Um, I, don't, I mean, he's good in some regards. Like we have the numbers from Sport Logic, at least as of a couple of weeks ago. I mean, he wasn't as good as Alex Nadalkovic, who was one of the league's best goalies against the rush this year. Um, you know, but Tristan is still pretty good on two on ones, um, which is something I wrote about last year. Um, he's one of the league's better goalies at that. And and the breakaways, he had not been beaten very often, but it was an alarming amount of shots that just missed the net. So it's hard to kind of divvy up whether he deserves credit for those and whatnot. But, yeah, um, it's never going to look pretty with him. I mean, he's not the most natural mover. So I, I think that's part of it as well. It's like, just, I mean, Tristan just flat out doesn't ever really look truly comfortable. It's just kind of the way his play style. Um, he's just not the most graceful goalie. Yeah. Certainly something that's been, you know, an observation, no question about it, but um, that's certainly one topic. But as you can see below me, there's another one that I know you and I both want to get into here, just given the nature of the way the Penguins schedule has kind of shaken up here um, with playing two games here on this road trip, but a lot of downtime um, on one of those downtime days. I believe that was on Wednesday when Kyle Dubas does his bi-monthly or bi-weekly, however you want to phrase it, uh, a show with our good pal Josh Getzoff. Uh, talked a little bit about Jake Gensel. I know you wrote about that. That's something that we're going to talk a little bit about here. Um, just the comments that uh, Kyle Dubas had, uh, pretty defining stuff saying how, um, I guess, no teams have really contacted uh, the Penguins in regards to Gensel, as seems to be the case, at least from what Dubas is saying. Or at least he hasn't engaged people if they have called. Um, I don't know. I mean, it makes sense. I mean, they did so much, so many win now moves this summer um, to try to get back to the playoffs and go on a run. I mean, you know, they traded a first and a second for Carlson and took on his contract, which could be difficult to move um, going forward. The Ryan Graves and Tristan Jari signings, trading a third round pick for Riley Smith. Um, so, I mean, this team is, is, I wouldn't say all in on winning now, but They've certainly put a lot of chips into the pot, to use a, a Vegas analogy. I did that, too. Um, it didn't go as well for me. Um, but, um, yeah, so, I mean, obviously the Penguins are going to see this through, go as long as they can to see if this team can come together and be what they thought it might be before the season. So, yeah, it makes no sense for them to engage, you know, in trade talks until they absolutely have to. So the thing that Dubas said I think was most newsworthy um, was just that, 
you know, they could talk during the all-star break. Like he plans at some point to have a conversation with Ben Hankinson's Gensel's agent um, to talk about the parameters of a deal. And yeah, so th there's a lot at stake for the Penguins. Um, you know, if they want the players want Jake to stick around, um, you know, they, they should keep winning games so that they're still in the hunt. And I do think there will be. I, I think this could end up becoming a moot conversation. I don't see the Penguins, you know, dropping out of striking distance of a playoff spot over the next month. And it would be pretty surprising at that point um, if the Penguins were in it, if they were to just sell off Jake Kensel. Um, you know, maybe there's like a hockey trade they could do is a different story. If they said, okay, like we're going to trade Jake for, you know, one or two different players with term that we think could fortify the core and, and make us a different, but still good team. But um, selling him for a pick or a prospect, I, I think that would be very surprising. And it would also be, um, you know, a complete admission that, you know, an acknowledgement that, Dubas miscalculated um, last summer with all his moves by making all these wind down moves. If he turned around and said, okay, time to rebuild six months later. Right. And just with all those moves, like you mentioned, I mean, it, it was no secret, right? When Ron Hextall and Brian Parker running the show here, when FSG first brought them aboard, right? There was kind of that two timelines approach, however you want to describe it, of they want to build toward the future, but also remain competitive in the present. Um, it seems like the current direction under Dubas, certainly he's said similar things, but there's been much more of an emphasis, I'd like to think, um, on that present. Um, with Jake in mind, just given some of those things you're mentioning about, you know, what it would take, what whether it would be an admission of kind of defeat regarding this season, is there any scenario, and I guess we'll get into various trade options here and what the Penguins' options are, um, but is there any scenario you envision where, you know, you mentioned a pick and a prospect, but is there any chance where it's a pick and two prospects or two picks and a prospect? What would it take in that kind of a trade, do you think for it to be too much for the Penguins to uh, turn down, or is that just not an option entirely? You think? I mean, there's just so much, so much at stake for this team. Um, you know, if you s signal that you're going into a rebuild, um, you know, what does that say to Sidney Crosby? I mean, Sidney Crosby at 36 is still a top 10 player in the league. He's playing outstanding. Um, he's a competitive guy. I mean, he understands the business of the game, but he wants to win another cup and how does trading Jake Gensel away um, for picks or prospects or whatever it is, even if it's 10 first round picks, how does that help Sidney Crosby win the cup? And, and Sid's going to be eligible to sign an extension this summer. Um, you know, obviously the Penguins and Fenway sports group want him to come back. Um, so, yeah, I mean, if they basically say, okay, like we're trading, you know, we're pulling the plug on the season and we're retooling, um, you know, that's, potentially set off a lot of dominoes. And I, I just don't know that the Penguins and, and especially ownership who has, you know, all the financial skin in the game is going to want to just say goodbye to Sidney Crosby and pivot into a rebuild. So there's so much at stake beyond just like, oh yeah, it makes sense for them to get some, like some younger prospects and players. I mean, you know, the next, you know, what they decide to do with Jake Gensel is going to impact the next three to five years of, of Penguins hockey. And, you know, I do think Kyle Dubas, like, like we were talking earlier about all he's already invested in this team. I mean, I do think he has the guts and potentially like the foresight if he sees that it's not going to happen to to pivot and make a U-turn. And he's so early in his tenure that, you know, he kind of has the latitude to kind of do that without getting, um, you know, ripped by too much, uh, the media and fans too much if he were to suddenly say, okay, wait, whoops, whoopsie, I made some mistakes. Um, but there's just that human element in play as well. So th there's a lot to consider beyond just like, Hey, how many picks or prospects would it take? It's it's more so like, 
what's next deciding what happens with Jake Gessel because they do decide to trade him for futures. Um, you know, I, I've never thought that Sidney Crosby would leave the Penguins, and this is just me kind of reading the situation, not that I have inside knowledge of what Sid would, is thinking or would do, but I, I've never once considered that Sid would actually leave the Penguins. But if they went into a rebuild right now with him playing as well as he is and the fact that he probably wants to play for another five years, um, you know, I really would start to, to wonder if we could see him finish career elsewhere. Right. It's certainly a worthwhile talking point, just as you mentioned, how well he's played here in the age 36 season, just the nature of his contract status, um, as well as the guys around him. Right. I mean, Kenny Malkin talking a little bit um, in, you know, in Arizona about his level of play, how he's kind of been an up and down player. Um, it's not like this roster in general is getting younger, right? So I, I think that's certainly a worthwhile point to make with regards to the Gensel conversations. Um, so to me, I, I view it as, yeah, I'm kind of in the same camp as you. I'd be really surprised if they traded him. Um, but you mentioned kind of the hockey trade idea of if you could trade him off and get players who help in the immediate future. Um, just go on that line. Um, what would be something that makes sense to you? And I guess that's maybe more of just a larger topic of, hey, what are some parts that the Penguins need on this roster right now? Because obviously it's a little bit flawed, right? This is a team that's not leading the Eastern Conference, far from it. Um, if they were to make a trade, for instance, that involves Jake, and they're getting guys back who help this team in the immediate future right now, what would that kind of a trade theoretically look like? Or who would be some players you'd look to? it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. You'd have to get another, you know, a winger back who could play with Sidney Crosby or, or play in the top six plus something else. Um, you know, so I, I don't know exactly what that would look like. Um, you know, I think we're going to address some of their other, you know, kind of short term needs. But, yeah, I mean, the thought was is, is just at minimum getting another guy to plug in for Jake. If you don't think you can resign him or you don't want to resign him, um, somebody who could try to replace what he brings to the table. I mean, I don't know. It's hard to think that they could get a player. Um, who could have more impact over the next, you know, two, three years than than Jake. I mean, you know, we did have the James Neal for Patrick Hornquist trade a few years back, which, um, you know, people probably, I, I think a lot of people thought that the Penguins lost that trade initially because they didn't know what Hornquist would bring to the table, and it turns out to be a masterstroke by Jim Rutherford. So maybe, but I, I just think it's going to be hard for them to get a player who brings more value over the next two or three years than Jake Gensel. Um, yeah, and... I don't know. I mean, I, I think an important thing we should talk about, too, is like the financial component. I, I know a lot of people are saying like, OK, like because William Nylander in Toronto got $11 million a year, that that's like what Jake wants or he's going to get on the market. Um, I don't get the sense, at least from what I can tell, that um, money is going to be the biggest thing for Jake Hansel. Like, I don't think he's like, OK, I need to be shown respect. I need to, you know, get eight figures on this salary. I, I just don't think that's the way he's wired. He wants to stay in Pittsburgh. He loves playing for the Penguins. Um, and yeah, I, I think he also would look at like the concessions that Sidney Crosby has made financially. Um, look at what Malkin and Latang took in terms of their AAV. So I do think he will look at that and I don't know. I don't know what the right number is. This is just me kind of guessing, but 
I don't know, it could be six years times eight million and you're haggling over the the no trade protection or no movement protection in the second half of the year. I just don't see this as something where Jake's like looking to break the bank. So, um, you know, we'll see what happens when Kyle and Ben Hankinson actually do talk to, to see if there's middle ground that they can bridge. But, um, you know, I don't I don't expect Jake to be asking for something unreasonable from the Penguins. I, I think he wants to stay and, and would probably be willing to make some concessions, just like so many of his longtime teammates have. And those figures that you mentioned, certainly at this point in his career, just given the extension that he did sign in the first place, which was such a team-friendly deal, I know that's led some people to say, oh, well, this will be one that maybe the Penguins or another team would overpay for, but kind of see it the same way as you, that I don't really have that expectation. That's not something I look at. Um, I guess kind of asking you, just given your experience on this beat and with interacting with this team and Jake, um, what would be your expectation in terms of, let's say the Penguins are going to go down the road of extending Jake. Um, is that something that we anticipate would happen during the season, like a William Nylander where it happens, um, you know, maybe this transpires right after the trade deadline or sometime beforehand, or do you think this is something that they're going to let play out, readdress over the summertime and take their chances with Ben Hankinson and with Jake um, just come summertime and hope that this is something they can figure out at that point. Yeah, I don't have an answer to that. I mean, you know, they haven't really engaged in serious talks recently, so it's hard to know where things would go once they did talk. But, um, you know, I think it's possible that they could get something done now. Like if they sit down here in two weeks at the All-Star break and, you know, they realize that they're not that far off, maybe they hammer something out. Um, I do think there's some urgency to get it done by the deadline, and that's sort of maybe what Ben Hackinson was alluding to in a couple of weeks ago when he made those comments on SiriusXM that kind of got this whole um, – had this whole thing kind of explode and become a national thing where Jake's on trade bait boards and stuff like that. So um, there is urgency with the deadline, but I also think – I don't know. I mean, some people have said, and, and I understand the thought process, like you can't, um, you know, let Jake walk for nothing. And if they don't have a deal done, they have to trade them regardless. I don't necessarily think that that's the way the Penguins whacked. I mean, if they're, you know, in playoff position and they're going for it and they don't get a deal done with Jake, but they feel, you know, pretty good about the kind of discussions they had. Um, I could see them doing it after the season. Uh, Kyle said as much and just say, okay, like we're, we, we feel confident um, in what we know about what the player wants that, you know, we think we could pretend potentially get there so I don't think it's like a you know a drop dead serious or a drop dead scenario where they're just like okay um you know once the deadline comes either he signs on the dotted line or he's gone I, I just don't think that's how they're gonna go about this lots of discussions here on Jake Gensel with the trade talk um there's a lot of other guys that we want to get into though I know um but there's not too many guys that are on expiring contracts the way that Jake is um, certainly a couple other players that come to mind, though. We've talked about them before on this podcast, one more so than the other. And Alex Nedeljkovic, um, just given the contract he's on and the performances he's turned in, um, we can open up this conversation to other players who have longer term on their deals. But um, who are some other players that come to mind maybe that Penguins fans should have their attention on when it comes to these trade talks as we get closer to the March 8 deadline of guys who could be leaving Pittsburgh or at least we could be involved in those kinds of conversations? Um, yeah, I mean, it, this is all assuming that they fall out of striking distance. I, right. I, I don't think they're going to sell regardless. Um, I think the one to watch, or maybe the one that was the one to watch was Nadelkovich. I mean, he's faded recently. Um, you know, still a small sample. 
wouldn't be surprised if he played tonight in Arizona. But yeah, I mean, he's a guy that if he, you know, kind of gets back to where he was a few weeks ago with his play, um, could potentially get the Penguins a little something as a rental um, just from goalie needy teams. Um, yeah, beyond that, I mean, Riley Smith, I mean, I think if they fall out of it um, and Riley Smith is healthy, um, you know, they might look to just kind of wave a white flag on that and, and look ahead to the future. Um, you know, other names are Raquel or Rust. They all have some form of, of no move protection. Um, and though you wonder if they fall completely out of it um, and they are looking to turn the page, could they turn around and, and shop 65? Um, so, again, I think it's going to be a moot point. I think the Penguins are going to hang around here, um, you know, even though they, they blew it uh, in Vegas, the third game this season in which they led by multiple goals in the third period and they lost. Um, you know, they still are – before that, they were 10-3-3 and in their previous 16. Um, I think they're going to stick around in the playoff hunt over the next month. And it's going to be a question of whether it's worth buying. Um, and I don't know if we're going to get there either. So, um, I, you know, I, so there's so many things at play. I mean, that's, that's why, um, that's why it's going to be an interesting next few weeks because the Penguins could, could go in a few different directions here. And, um, you know, right now they don't know which way it's going to go. I mean, the team and what they do in the ice and what happens ahead of them in the standings, um, is it going to determine which path they take at the trade deadline in March? So you mentioned those guys, certainly, and that's in the scenario of if the Penguins go south. So let's say for the sake of the argument, things are going well, they remain in this playoff hunt, or at the very least, they stay status quo, right? Where you're kind of middling, hovering around that 8-9 spot in the Eastern Conference. Um, what are the Penguins' biggest needs? What are some things, if they're looking to retool or add to the roster without having to sacrifice guys and if that's giving up picks or whatever it may be, offloading a contract like a Jeff Carter in addition to a pick, the theoretically. Jeff spit. Carter's not going anywhere. <laughs> I mean, he's got he's got full no movement clause. And yeah. He doesn't want to go, and um, I don't know. He's actually playing all right. So, I mean, I'm sure he – you know, it'd be one thing. I mean, we talked a couple of months ago when he was a healthy scratch, like if his play declined to the point where he just was like, man, I don't want to go out like this. Um but he's playing all right, and uh, he's got the full no move. So, um, yeah, I mean, and that's the thing too. Like, so in terms of their biggest needs, we'll start there. It's it's the usual with this team. They need um, depth defensemen. Uh, I think you could advocate for them getting a lefty or a righty or both, and also you know a scorer in the bottom six. I mean, the bottom six has played actually pretty well recently. Um, they don't score a lot of goals, but they don't give up a lot of goals. Um, Lars Eller has been you know, quietly their best third line center that they've had maybe since I've covered the team. And this is my sixth year. Um, you know, Drew O'Connor was playing really well as a third liner. Now he's been elevated because of the Riley Smith injury. Um, Achari is, has been as advertised, but they could use a score. I don't think that's like, yes, he pulled RV. I mean, I think, you know, we'll, we'll get to the point eventually where he's signed and up in Pittsburgh, but you know, I don't think that's a guy who has like a, a 20 goal season pace type player. So that's what they could always want. And yeah, the, the third pair, um, you know, the shuffling of, of Ryan Shea and Ludwig and P.O. Joseph and in and out of the lineup um, tells you how they feel about how those guys are playing. And obviously, you know, you, you can do better than Chad Ruedel. He's, you know, a steady six, seven defenseman. But I think the bigger question is like, realistically, what can they do? Um, you know, unless they 
get rid of one of these big contracts. Um, you know, they don't have a lot of cap space. Um, they don't have a lot of future assets and they don't really have any, you know, quote unquote, like matching salaries to send out to, to get a player. I mean, Carter would be the one, um, you know, in terms of a, a three plus million dollar contract that they could actually do something with. But, um, you know, as I said, it, you know, he's not going to approve a trade somewhere else. So yeah, it's going to be difficult. Like if they do want to buy, um, I just don't know how much ability they're going to have to actually do something significant because they're so tied up against the cap. Given all that, what you mentioned with being so tied up against the cap, and I kind of want to hone in on that defenseman talk, just what you're mentioning there as well as the nature of the team, right? The, the hope going into the year was that Ryan Graves would be a guy who could really cement himself as a top four defenseman. And that very well may be the case And what they rely on here as they continue him playing those kinds of minutes, um, relying on him to play those kinds of minutes. So I guess I bring all that up to say, would the expectation be – more likely that going into the trade deadline, if they were to add to the defense core, would it be a move like last year where you get a Dmitry Kulikov and it's you're giving up a marginal asset for a sixth defenseman, a seventh defenseman, fifth defenseman, whatever it is? Is that more likely um, and obviously easier, but is that more likely than say the Penguins go, hey, we're going to get a top four defenseman before the deadline? How, how can they get a top four defenseman? They don't have the cap space. I mean, no, we're talking about just getting a player um, or maybe two that can hopefully give a little bit better results on the third pair. Um, you know, on the right side, you have Latang and Carlson playing so much um, that it doesn't feel like a big need. But if one of them gets hurt, suddenly um, you got a big problem on the right side. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I don't see them looking for like big fish i don't think they can reel in a big fish unless they trade one of their current big fish um it's more so yeah like a like last year with kulikov like let's give up a fourth round pick or whatever um to try to you know upgrade on our third pair yeah so in summary this is going to be a super exciting deadline they're going to get the biggest names in hockey and this team's winning the cup that's basically the takeaway right well, as we just said, it could go a lot of different directions. We could we have a, a really busy trade deadline here based on how things play out. Um, you know, and I don't know. I mean, you, you don't see a lot of the the quote unquote hockey trades at the trade deadline or in season. Um, you know, you usually see the player for player trades um, in the off season. But I mean, that's the one that's like kind of like the one thing here that you wonder about that might come out of nowhere where they say, OK, like, we're going to trade, I don't know, just hypothetically, like Ricard Raquel. You know, we're going to trade this guy who makes uh, five, six million dollars a year for, you know, a forward and a defenseman, like something like that. Um, or just swap a guy out for a similarly priced player who just brings a different element to the table. I mean, that's kind of the X factor where maybe, maybe something like that happens. But you just don't see it very often um, in season. Those usually off-season type moves. Right. It's really, I mean, these next two weeks, and Dubas said as much a while back about how important right at that all-star break things would be. Certainly a lot of things to monitor that we're going to keep tabs on just in terms of the direction of the team, contract talks with cancel. Um, these next two weeks, I mean, I, not to use an old adage, but the teams can kind of show us what they are, it feels like, these next few weeks determining uh, the course of the Penguins. Um, certainly a lot to, that we discussed there. Um, yeah, I mean, if this is if this is where they're at, they're just still hovering around the the final playoff spot. Like it, they could just do nothing or make like one or two little minor tweaks. Like, uh, I mean, yeah, I mean they 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 have to be worth 
further investment. And I don't know that this team, um, you know, in terms of trade acquisitions, I don't know if this team has showed enough. Um, them keeping Jake or not is a different story. Yeah. Well, we'll be keeping tabs on all of that. But um, I think it's time for us to segue as we wrap this podcast up uh, to our usual ending, which, of course, is our stick taps. Uh, you want to lead us off here, Matt, or how do you want to play it here? You go first. Gotcha. Um, I'll lead it off and just say we're going to keep up with the Jake Gensel talk and say that this guy who's had another 20-goal season, just given what we're talking about, all the noise on the outside, as we've mentioned on this podcast before, the injury, um, there is just a lot going on with his season, and he's stayed steady. A guy who was one of the few players that earned an A with your report card, of course, last week with the midseason grades. Um, just can't say enough about the season that Gensel has put together. So stick taps to him on hitting the 20-goal plateau with the score against Vegas. Uh, that's a worthy one. Mine's going to go to Chris Letang. I wrote about him for today's newspaper, if we had a newspaper, the fake newspaper. <laughs> we have a website as well, uh, stories on there. But, yeah, I mean, Chris Letang has, has bounced back from a nightmare season last year. Um, and he's back playing more like the guy we saw the previous two seasons where he finished top 10 in Norris Trophy voting. Um, you know, Mike Sullivan had an interesting comment um, just because he's so calculated in the media. But, you know, there's a lot of kind of debate about on uh, the, the social medias about, you know, Carlson or Latang. I know Carlson's a media darling and, you know, fan, uh, fans kind of pick on Latang. But Sullivan came right out and said, you know, Chris has been our best defenseman. Um, so I thought that was interesting to hear him kind of give Chris that endorsement because Mike's usually pretty calculated with that, but I would agree with them. I mean, Carlson's been good, not great. Patterson's been a great story, but Chris has been really good. Big help for the PK. Uh, his numbers at five on five are better. He, he has basically the same amount of points as Carlson, despite playing um, like three minutes less per game of power play time. So yeah, it's a great story. Um, not surprised that he bounced back the way he did. I mean, this guy always gets up off the mat. Um, that's who he is. That's why he won the Masterton. But still, um, you never know. You never know uh, after a rough season if the guy's going to be able to come back. But, um, you know, sure enough, he did. And, um, you know, you could argue he's been one of the Penguins' top three, four players this year. I just – I can't believe he didn't give you credit for being the reason he's had such a good season. I mean, you worked out with him. That's a natural connection, though. He, yeah, he didn't agree. Uh, he laughed, but no, he, he said that uh, me visiting him to work out in Montreal uh, with him was not why he had the bounce back season, just in case anyone was wondering. I'm still going to stick to it. That's my story, but whatever. Chris can have his, but either way, yeah, give that story from Matt a check or check it out on post-gazette.com as well as all the rest of our Penguins content. Uh, appreciate you guys tuning in for our podcast as always. Keep up with our Penguins weekly coverage there on the website, and we'll catch you guys again next week. Thank you for checking out this content from Post-Gazette Sports. If you watch this video on YouTube, please like the video and subscribe to our channel. For all of the sports coverage the Post-Gazette has to offer, visit post-gazette.com.